say hello to Floyd Little and Jim Brown, Sean Tucker in the orange record books with his fifth touchdown of the game. All across CNY. Kick the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. It's the 315. Hardy faking face the great Savings again. He scores! Here's Brian Higgins. Yes, sir. Welcome in. Here we go. Friday. We have made it through. Well, we are beginning to make it through. I I, I shouldn't say we've made it through anything yet on the first sentence of the show. Uh, But we've made it through our first full week of the year. You know, we only had four days last week. Uh, but we're really soft playing it because of uh, MLAK coming up. MLK Day, one would say, coming up next Monday. we only got uh, four days next week. So we're, we are easing into 2023 as best as one can ease into anything. But I uh, got you here on a Friday. We made it through Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We hit all the days this week. Congratulations to us. Showing up is half the battle. But here we are on a Friday. It's a game day eve afternoon. That's a thing. Notre Dame tomorrow. That's already been a thing. It's now going to be a thing again. Irish in the Dome. 7 o'clock tip tomorrow night. A Saturday evening affair. Looking forward to that. Hey, what a game it was the last time around. It was a little sloppy. It was a little something. But I'll tell you this. It was close. It was interesting. It was a one-possession game, and it was one in the last act by Judah Mintz, not at the buzzer, uh, but on the final orange possession off a sideline out-of-bounds play. And then hashtag roll with bowl, John Bolajak into the game for defensive purposes late, and he made a great play on uh, literally the final play of the game for the orange to get what at the time felt like a big-time win. Still, I think, you know, realistically, it's a nice win. Uh, statistically, not right now. Reality and statistics are not operating in the same universe, it feels like, yet this college basketball season. But uh, we can get that sorted out. We'll be talking a lot of hoops uh, today, getting ready for the game tomorrow. Uh, 3.30 today. 3.30 today. We have tickets to the game tomorrow to give away. So stay tuned until uh, 3.30-ish. Yeah, let's go 3.30-ish today. We have tickets to give away uh, to the game. Sometime between 3.30 and the end of the program today, we will have two tickets that will no longer be mine. They will be yours uh, for the game uh, tomorrow. So looking forward to that. At 2.30 today, Tom Noy, who is the beat writer for the Fighting Irish basketball squad of the South Bend Tribune, he will join us coming up at 2.30 today. And coming off a 4-2 and two week, the Saco Six-Pack, featuring I'm not sure what, no sneak previews this week for Mario. He might be grinding on it right now as we speak, coming up with picks. Or not. But coming off a 4-2 and two week, a winning week for Mario. He's back in the saddle on this NFL super wild card weekend. He's back in the saddle at uh, 3 o'clock today. The man who sort of knows is going to sort of know things uh, before that at 2.45. man who sort of knows is very excited about his picks this week. Which I forget how excited he was last week. It was a one in five la- week last week. So hopefully he wasn't very excited about the picks last week. I, I don't know how the sliding scale intersects as far as excitement versus results, but the man who sort of knows is excited for the picks that he's about to give you. And that's coming up at 2.45. Uh, today we'll hear a little bit from the Hall of Famer Jim Beheim in a few minutes, but 
You know, we talked about this uh, yesterday, and nothing has really changed, but I, I'm feeling more crystalline about my thoughts, and more crystal that it honestly doesn't matter if I'm right or not about part of it. And that is the departure of swag from Syracuse. I feel like we're talking about this like Nick Monroe died. No. <laughs> he got a good job that's well-paying and he's going home, but it sounds like, oh my goodness, we've lost our swag. We are going into mourning. Everyone wear their least swaggiest outfit. And just don't do anything exciting. But uh, we brought you the news yesterday that uh, Syracuse defensive backs coach Nick Monroe is uh, now heading to Minnesota. Nick is from Minnesota. Um, Nick's dad used to coach at Minnesota, where Nick will now be coaching as the co-defensive coordinator. That's a swaggy-sounding title if I ever did hear one. Swaggier than secondary coach. And I don't know his contract. I don't need to know his contract to know that his contract will contain, what is the word? More money. More money. And uh, speaking of our guest at three, Mario Saka with the six-pack, uh, what he's literally doing right now or just completed doing or is at some point in doing, and I'm sure you'll see it on uh, News Channel 9 either tonight or whenever, uh, he is uh, chatting with the Swag Daddy. Uh, the Swag Daddy is free to chat at will now. So this Dino Babers, he is not the only head coach in the country that does this, but he has a, a tight lid on his assistants. They rarely, if ever, are out there officially on the record giving interviews. Uh, but we have now seen this uh, with Tony White and... S. Daddy, that uh, the second they are employed elsewhere, uh, they are free to chat at, at will and certainly have. So uh, we have seen Nick Monroe uh, first in an article with uh, Mike McAllister that came out, I think, last night and uh, today on Syracuse.com. Emily Liker uh, chatted with Nick, and Emily will be on the block today at 425. That's a tease, people. And uh, talking now with Mario, he'll be on this show at uh, 3 o'clock today. Multiple teases that, you know, Nick is out there, and, you know, I've had plenty of chats with Nick over uh, the years, just uh, here, there, wherever, and, you know, filling in on the Dino Baber show and on the record and just, you know, in the hallway or what, what not. And, you know, I, I get it. His nickname is the Swag Daddy. you got to portray a certain, <clears throat> if, you're, if your nickname is going to start with the word swag, but at the same time, like, the dude is from Minnesota and has spent a significant amount of time in, in central New York. Like, he is... Uh, wh whatever you want to call him, salt of the earth, grassroots, humble, all that stuff. Uh, for a dude that is willing to go down, uh, like recruiting in Miami with his shirt basically unbuttoned to his navel, like the dude is as as relatable and down to the earth and nice as you want to meet. Like this is nothing about Nick Monroe leaving or anything like that. This is a man. If you think this is the best opportunity for you, you know, congratulations. Good for you. Good for your family. Good. Good. For, good for everybody. But, and, and Nick has talked about it today, the opportunity to go home and all of this stuff. And it seems like, okay, you know, they had the bowl game against Minnesota, yada, yada, yada. Uh, he's boys with the defensive coordinator there. I don't know how they're naming it. Nick's the co-defensive coordinator. It's not like the old DC got fired. Joe Rossi is their defensive coordinator. I'm assuming he's still, I don't know, is he co now? Did he gain a co? Is he the defensive coordinator and Nick is the co-defensive coordinator? How does this work on an organizational chart? Put this, write this on the wall for me and draw lines connecting it all. 
But, you know, he's boys with him. They talk all the time. This, that, and the other thing. Gets a call early January. We're still early January. Earlier January, week and a half ago. Wheels in motion, and here we are. Which leads to me, I, I think this is firmed up even more in my head, the thought I had yesterday, which at this point, it really doesn't matter if it's correct or not, which makes it even better. The perception here is the reality for everybody but Nick Monroe. Perception is reality. Nick knows exactly what happened. Nick knows what offers or not he got from Syracuse or elsewhere between then and now. He knows the offer he got from Minnesota. He knows why he's leaving for Minnesota. For him, the reality is the reality. For the rest of us, the perception is all that's going to be left behind. Because in my mind, and I I said this to people, I don't know if I said it on the air at the time, but I had multiple conversations about this back in December, in between, in the wacky weeks there, where stuff was happening every day, where the portal was open, the portal was closed. This guy was in, this guy was out. Coordinators here, coordinators there. And then Nick Monroe was named the interim defensive coordinator for the bowl game, and then shortly thereafter, Rocky Long was hired, and it was said, okay, Nick's still here, he's going to work the game, Rocky is here, this, that, and that. We all know how that went. I said, I, I guess when Rocky was hired, I might have I might have had these talks before he was hired when you know once Nick got the co-title slapped on him and or not the interim title it it was pretty clear he was not going to be the guy but like okay I think Rocky Long's a good hire specifically to coordinate the defense obviously he's a very good coach at this it's an even better hire if you mix it with Nick Monroe learning it even more. Still here as your lead recruiter, your lead Florida guy. At the time, I said, okay, what you got to do now is you got give him a new title, give him a raise. What happened behind the scenes, I don't know. But I know this, at least publicly, nothing had ever been announced that Nick Monroe got a new title and that Nick Monroe got a raise. Maybe he did, maybe it didn't. It does not matter anymore. Because all we're left to think is that he did not. I bet, and this is my thought, that if Syracuse had done that a month ago, that it would not have gotten to this point. Could Minnesota still have swept in and tried to come over the top? Maybe. But my guess is that that if Nick had gotten taken care of a month ago, that he would have been less inclined to listen as seriously to other offers that came immediately after that due to how loyal he has been, A, to Central New York, and B, to Dino Babers. You know, home is where you grew up, and that's where Nick's going. Home is also where you are. Nick, going back to his time at Colgate, has been in Central New York for the better part, save for a a brief snop in Bowling Green, Ohio, lovely Toledo, Nick has been a Central New Yorker for the better part of 20 years now going on. Yeah, he's from there. His dad worked there. I get it. That's home, and the call of home is strong. But if Nick had been taken care of by home, which is here, I bet he stays. I could be wrong, but it doesn't matter 
because the perception is reality. This is now the thought out there. I am not the only person having this thought. I'm not alone on an island here adrift at sea with this thought. This is now the thought that others in our community as fans, and let's be realistic, somebody's going to have to be hired to take that job in the community now of people that Dino will be attempting to hire as an assistant coach here. All these people know each other. They all talk to each other. All right, so you had your Florida guy. You had maybe your next defensive coordinator. You had all this stuff. You don't have him anymore. Well, who are you going to get that's going to fill that role in the way that Nick did? It's a legitimate issue. Because this program was once again not proactive. They were reactive. Which has led to this perception, which again, it doesn't matter if it's true. Perception is reality. This scenario screams, why did he leave? Okay, he's going home. It's a great story, and I'm sure it's a true story. It's a true story because, like, why Why in the end did he take the job? Well, it's more money, I'm sure. It's a great title. But, yeah, it is the call of home. Like, I'm sure, like, all of that. Like, Nick's not lying to us. Like, that, of course that's true. But the call of home could have kept him here, too. Because this has been home to him and his family and his kids for a long time. Like, his kids have been growing up here for a long time. He's been here for seven years. Like, he, he clearly, he clearly has had opportunities over the seven years. At what? He, he has been graceful enough not to say. Because he has been graceful through all of this. Through becoming the interim, through not getting the job, for saying all the right things. But home could have kept them here too, had it been done a month ago. Why it wasn't, I don't know. The fact that it wasn't is why we're here today. And again, should you be crying over losing an assistant football coach? Is that the end of the program? Of course it's not. But, and I said this yesterday, even more so than the loss of your coordinators. Even more so than anything that's happened with the transfer portal. Even more so than, you know, what what's Dino's contract situation? How many games? Hot seat, not seat? I don't know. Even more so than that, I look at a guy that has been a loyalty here, here being Central New York, a guy that is loyal to here being the football program and Dino Babers, and he's not here anymore. And I get that he's going home, but he also could have stayed home. And I don't know if that was a choice that was presented to him in a way that it would have been easy to take this being home as opposed to that. Because if you if you get loved up a month ago, like I get it. I get it. You get Rocky Long. Like, isn't the next step? Hey man. Like we wanted we've wanted we've been after this guy for three years. Like this I've I've always wanted to hire this guy. We wanted him. You know, you know, we love you, but this was an opportunity we couldn't pass up. Here's what you're gonna do. Uh here's your new title. You're the the co you could have been co defensive coordinator here. Why not? Like, literally, that's just words. You, you think Nick's the defensive coordinator of Minnesota? No, he's not. The other guy that coordinated their defense that's still there, he's the defensive coordinator. Will he have input in meetings? Yeah, of course he will. But Nick's going there for give or take the same job and more money. He could have had that here. He could have had it here. And that is when you are Syracuse, and I understand that, you know, there's more money in the Big Ten, 
NC State's took one took one of the coordinators. Like if you're Syracuse, and you know Deuce is going to LSU and Jahad's going to Ohio State, Syracuse is not playing on the same field as those guys. Syracuse was on the same field as Minnesota, like an equivalent bowl game less than a month ago. Like you you cannot act if you're Syracuse that Minnesota is better than you, that NC State is better than you, and that. That's where we're at. That's what's happening here in the last month, and it's it's getting to the point where it's disturbing and worrisome about where it can go. Because if you're losing assistant coaches to Minnesota like for for essentially the same job, I get it. He got he got the title. He could have had that here, and here could have been home too. With that, we'll take a break. How about a guy that has called it home for a minute? A minute or two or three or four or five or six or seven or eight or nine or ten or 47 or 60. I don't know. Jim Beheim's been here a long time. A little bit from Jim. He had his coaches show last night. All that good stuff. We'll hear from uh, Coach Beheim when we come back into basketball for the next little bit. Tom Bend, South Bend Tribune, is coming up at 2.30. We chatted a month ago. What has changed? What has changed? Notre Dame has not won many games since then. They were looking pretty good then. Not as much now. But... Did win the other night. We'll talk to Tom at 2.30. Mario with a six-pack at three tickets for the game tomorrow coming up at 3.30. That's the plan here today. Taking a break here. Back after this, it's QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio. Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse Sports Talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. It's the 315. Here's Brian Higgins. Rolling along here on this Friday afternoon. We're talking hoops. No, we're talking picks. Can we make you money? We'd never guarantee it. Because by the numbers, we kind of haven't. But that's okay. It's for entertainment purposes only, unless you've bet the house on it, literally. With that, we've reached Friday. Mario's coming up in 10 minutes. Before that, we have picks. We have all kinds of picks. Here's our first. Could we have the money now? The answer is no. I'm afraid I must insist. I'm telling you, it's a lock. But it rained last night. Exactly. What if there was a restaurant that didn't serve any food and just served up gambling? This horse loves the slop. I thought gambling was illegal. <laughs> Not if no one sees you do it. Father was a mother. His mother was a mother. His mother was a mother. No, I think it still is. But not if no one knows about it. I didn't know you know how to play poker, Lois. Yeah. Well, how you doing? Yeah. That's good, honey. Guaranteed bets. The man is a gambler. Results not guaranteed. Pay that man his money. It's the man who sort of knows. All right, what does the man who sort of knows thinks he knows this week? Six picks. Uh, last week, uh, also six picks. One in five. Not ideal. Not ideal. It's the first time the man that sort of knows uh, since he sort of started sort of knowing things has dipped uh, the record back to 500. He's still, I believe, positive in the units due to some uh, uh, bets that had good odds, but uh, 43, 43, and one push all time for the man who sort of knows. Couple of picks tonight one in the NBA, one in the NHL. The Warriors and Spurs are playing tonight in San Antonio. Are they playing at the Spurs Arena in San Antonio? No. Is it because the rodeo's there? Actually not. They're playing in the Alamo Dome. Why? Eh. And they're celebrating the 50 years of getting Spursy 
in San Antonio. Uh, the over-under in that game, uh, at least when the man that sort of knows had it, I think it's been dropping. He got it at 245. The number's been coming down. Why? The Alamo Dome is very, very large. Shooting in very, very large places like that when you are not used to playing in them doesn't always go as well. Did you know the last time Steph Curry played in a dome was when he was in college? Like a big dome like the Alamo Dome? And then if they had won their Elite Eight game his last year there against Kansas, they would have gone to the Final Four. Where? In the Alamo Dome? He's finally made it! Steph, 15 years later, now you feel old, Steph, 15 years later, is in the Alamo Dome, but it's in the Alamo Dome. Take the under 245 uh, tonight, Warriors and Spurs. You know what it is in the NHL tonight? The Oilers are playing the Sharks. And why do we care about that? The best player in the NHL, it is his birthday. Happy birthday to Connor McDavid. What do you do if you're playing an NHL hockey game on your birthday? You're going to shoot the puck. The over-under on Connor McDavid shots on goals tonight is three and a half. The birthday boy, he's got to have at least four shots on goal tonight. Heck, it's his birthday. He might have four shots in the goal. You never know this guy. He does whatever the heck he wants out there. Connor McDavid over Three and a half shots on goal tonight on his birthday. The rest of the picks for the man who sort of knows this weekend come from Super Wild Card Weekend in the National Football League. Nothing from the games tomorrow, nothing from the game Monday. Um, These are all from the game Sundays. In fact, stuff from all three games. We'll start with the first game. That is the Bills and the Dolphins. Not great odds on this, but... At plus 150, or minus 150, pardon me, Josh Allen, his over-under on passing touchdowns is one and a half, a.k.a. if he throws two touchdowns in the game, you win. Josh Allen in his career has played the Dolphins 10 times. Guess how many times he's thrown at least two touchdown passes against the Dolphins in 10 games? Oh, wait. 10. Played him 10 times, and every time he's played them, he has thrown at least two touchdowns. Ah, uh, take the over. The afternoon game in Minnesota. Will the Swag Daddy be in attendance? Can he get out there that quick? Get tickets to Vikings and Giants. The total in that game is 48 and a half. That's a pretty high total for a, a Giants game, is it not? Now, it went over that. These two teams played a month ago, and it did go over that number. The Vikings do play in high-scoring games often. But also when these two teams played a month ago, at the start of the fourth quarter, the game was 13-10. to 10. The fourth quarter had to get wacky for it to get to that number. These two teams lead the league in one-score games played. If it's going to go the way of the Giants or in a way the Giants can win it, expect it to be kind of a grinder. The man that sort of knows says under 48.5 for the Vikes and the Giants this weekend. And this is kind of a tandem pick. If it's going to play out that way, you know what's probably going to happen a lot? The Giants are going to run the football. And if the Giants are going to run the football, who's going to run it? Saquon Barkley. His over-under for carries in the game is 17 and a half. Hit 14 in this matchup back in December. But he did not play last week. It was basically all the Giants' main personnel took the week off. The last time Saquon Barkley did not play in a week, a.k.a. in the Giants' bye week, in the very next game, you know how many carries he had? He had 35 carries against the Houston Texans. The last time he was coming off a bye week, 35. That is more than 17 and a half. Take Saquon and the over in carries for the Giants on Sunday. And finally, Sunday night football. Bengals, Ravens. Lamar Jackson playing? Doesn't sound like it. Who's starting at quarterback? Don't know. Doesn't matter for this. 
because it says here that Jamar Chase is going to catch the ball and catch the ball a lot. His over-under for total catches in the game is 6.5. You know how many games in a row he's had more than 6.5 catches, a.k.a. at least 7? It's hit 8 straight games, including when? Including when the teams just played last week. This just happened. It happened on Sunday. It will happen again. Jamar Jamar Chase, at least seven catches for the Ravens. You can get that at even money, plus 100 for Jamar Chase. So to recap, the Warriors and Spurs tonight in the Alamo Dome. Take the under. Connor McDavid on his birthday. Take the over in shots on goals. Josh Allen on Sunday. Over one and a half touchdowns. Vikings and Giants under 48 and a half total points. Saquon Barkley over 17 and a half carries. And Jamar Chase is going to catch the ball at least seven times on Sunday night versus the Ravens. And that, folks, is what the man who sort of knows thinks he knows this week. We'll take a break. When we come back, Mario Sacco will get the six back. One is nice, two. We're going to start thinking about a streak. We'll see what Mario can put out there this week. We'll do that next. When we turn the page to Hour 2, it's QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio. Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse Sports Talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. All across central New York, this is the 315 with Brian Higgins. All right, rolling along here. Working our way toward the weekend. 7 o'clock tip in the Dome tomorrow night. Second meeting of the year between Syracuse and Notre Dame. And because it is a game in the Dome, that means that we got tickets. I, in fact, have two tickets to the game. I would love for you to have tickets to the game tomorrow night. And I'm going to ask trivia questions, and the first person to get it right will get those two tickets. 315-437-7644 is the number for ESPN. 44. We go to the lines. First in line is Nick in Syracuse. Uh, Nick, are you ready for the question to win tickets to the game tomorrow night? Yeah. All right. Here is the question. Syracuse and Notre Dame played about five weeks ago now. Who was the leading scorer in that basketball game? Jesse Edwards. It was Jesse Edwards, who had 22 points and 16 rebounds. To lead the Orange that day, Nick, congratulations. You got two to the game tomorrow night. Hang on the line. Guys will get your info and make sure you get the tickets, okay? All right, thank you. All right, so Nick had it. I I think based on his reaction, he was able to get the correct answer out without Googling. That would have been a really fast Google. So uh, congrats to Nick on the tickets. I didn't know if that, and honestly, you could have gotten that answer right without knowing the answer. There would have only like four possible answers to the question. But it's also one, are you necessarily going to remember who the leading scorer of one random game was? Are you going to remember that it was Jesse who had 22 and 16 and was dominant? Joe Girard had 20 in the game. Are you only going to remember Judah Mintz who had the game-winning basket in the game but only actually had nine points? Like, what What are you going to remember uh, from all of it? So, caller one, got it. That is not normally how our trivia contests go here. Usually, I think I've asked and. A, a, mid, a mid-level difficulty trivia question, and then we're on, like, caller 70, and we haven't found anyone uh, to take the tickets yet. But uh, Nick, going to the game tomorrow night in the Dome, 7 o'clock tip, Cuse and Notre Dame. So here we are. It's about five weeks later, six weeks later, since these teams last played. In a game that literally could not have been closer. It was a one-point game. It was a back-and-forth game. Notre Dame made a bunch of threes early. Orange 
uh, had Jesse Edwards. Notre Dame didn't have anything for that. Came down to the last couple of possessions. Orange got the bucket on the sneaky little back cut sideline. Out of bounds play where Judah caught it, went right to the rack and scored. And the Orange played defense for the last few seconds. And John Bolajak had the great uh, defense in the corner on the last play of the game. And the Orange won by one. Well, so here we are. Five, six weeks later. What has changed? Why or why not will the game be different or not this time around? Well, starting a week after that, Notre Dame went in the tank. They've only won two games since then. And teams have found that Notre Dame doesn't have anyone in the middle. The Arch found that for sure with Jesse. Like, there is no deterrent from getting to the rack against the Irish, whether it be your big guy or a driver. Like, they don't have an enforcer. They don't have muscle. They don't have interior defense. And in theory, their collective veteran leadership and veteran volume and veteran outside shooting could stay up with this. But it has not for whatever reason. So it feels like, especially given the orange result on Wednesday night in the Dome, that the pendulum should have swung from a one-point game uh, further in Syracuse's favor. That said, we've all watched these games all year. We've watched Syracuse games all year. We've watched ACC games all year. How confident does anybody out there right now feel in their ability to predict what is going to happen in either a Syracuse or an ACC basketball game? Like, do you feel great and sitting here right now saying, yeah, Syracuse looks a lot better. They're getting better. They're improving. Notre Dame is not. Yeah, give me Syracuse by 10. Or looking at any ACC game on the board and predicting what's about to happen. How confident do you feel being able to tell what's going to happen in an ACC game? Because I don't, I don't feel confident in being able to tell what's going to happen in any ACC basketball game or in any Syracuse basketball game for the most part. It is a who-knows situation every time they toss it up. That said, I, Syracuse should win this game. Syracuse needs to win this game to keep it going. Like, certainly where Notre Dame's right at right now, if you're looking big, big picture, it's not a game you can afford to lose. And the Orange are starting to compile wins a little bit. Do they have the big, big wins they're going to need at some point down the line? No. But they're starting to compile in a way they did not early in the year with those games that got away from them. The Colgate, the St. John's, the Bryant. Now they're starting to add them up. The games they can and should win in the ACC, they have and done so far. So that's good. Now, last time out, Malik Brown played uh, the big squadoosh. He did not play at all. He's going to play more than that tomorrow. Uh, very much looking forward to seeing a Malik on the court tomorrow and intrigued to see how this is going to be handled uh, minutes-wise by Jim Beheim. Because we've arrived at a spot where Malik Brown has earned his share of minutes, almost regardless of what Benny Williams is doing. So if those two are going to play the 40 power forward minutes tomorrow and play no other minutes, it's potential uh, Benny could play at the three, I suppose, though it is clearly not something that is preferred by Coach Bayheim for obvious reasons, that Benny's not a, a knockdown three-point shooter. But what, what are we going to get in this scenario? How much is Malik going to play coming off, without question, the best two games of his career? That's the main thing to watch tomorrow. Oh, one scenario, I suppose, and we, we've not heard anything about this, that could give Benny some small forward minutes is what? what's the health of Chris Bell? He had that kind of 
tumble off the edge of the court the other night, early second half. He, I don't know if he rolled his ankle on top of cutting up his leg and then didn't get back in the game after that. So, you know, is that a minor little something that you take care of and he's good to go? I don't know. We've not heard anything about that, Chris Bell. So that would be the one thing uh, to keep an eye on health-wise going into the game. And then Justin Taylor, what's he going to do? His minutes have been increasing and increasing and increasing. What's his game going to look like tomorrow for the Orange? And then, you know, Judah did not really play a great game against Notre Dame last time out. It, it would have been a kind of a nothing game, except for the fact he hit the game-winning shot. And that's a pretty big except for the fact part of the game uh, tomorrow. So let's see if Judah can get it going. And, you know, Joe had a, a really good game last time there. He had 20. Uh, the last few weeks, he's playing at a different level compared to that game, compared to any game earlier in the season. So let's see if Joe can keep him going. Because if the Orange are going to go anywhere this season, like he, he's going to have to be the guy that, that pushes it. So we'll see how that goes. And then the other side, you know, I know the Orange were hot and heavy on him. He ended up going to Notre Dame. He's a local guy. Went to prep school in Indiana, but he was here for a long time. J.J. Starling's from Baldwinsville. Talking to Tom Noy earlier, J.J. has started all season up until last game. Did not start last game, but Tom is thinking that, uh, at least saying this is the way Mike Bray has handled things like this in the past. He was speculating that J.J. will start, and that'll be a cool moment when he gets his name read in the starting lineup. Anyone there? Like, again, he didn't go to Syracuse. Like, cheer this guy. He's a local, local kid done good. So cheer for him tomorrow. It'll be cool to watch a guy like that come into the Dome, you know, regardless of uh, what he does, but playing at home, playing in front of friends and family, uh, the whole thing, playing uh, a school at home that he very seriously considered going to. So that's going to be that's going to be very interesting and uh, fun to watch uh, tomorrow. So lots of things to uh, look forward to uh, in this game uh, tomorrow coming up in the Dome. Again, that is a 7 o'clock tip, uh, Syracuse. And Notre Dame in the Dome tomorrow night, a game you can listen to over on TK99. So looking forward to all of that uh, tomorrow night in the Dome. Second meeting between Syracuse and Notre Dame. That started the the Orange little stretch now. I've only lost two games uh, since then, the Virginia game and the Pitt game. Besides that, the Orange have been on the better side of things, 8-2 and two on the run here, starting with the uh, Notre Dame game bank at the beginning of December. So we'll see if we can uh, see if the Orange pick up another win in the Dome tomorrow. With that, we'll take our final break. Before that, we'll remind you about our friends at William Matar. We're just past 344. Hurt in the car, call William Matar. At what? At 444-4444. Final break, final wrap. What's on tap? To head you into the weekend after this on QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio.